0: Welcome to The Player's Voice, a podcast brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. My name is Alan O'Mara, a former Cavern goalkeeper now working as a performance and well-being consultant. As host of this series, I will take you inside the minds of some of Ireland's most inspiring inter-county GA players as they share important lessons from life on and off the field. I'm delighted to be joined this week by former Wicklow footballer and managing director of NutriQuick, Dean Siney, who recently made a 9 million euro deal with Aldi. He was first called up to the Wicklow seniors during the Mick O'Dwyer era, but life and career soon took him in a different direction. Dean talks us through the entrepreneurial journey that stemmed from an idea in his head, began operating from his home kitchen and became a leading brand for healthy, convenient food that now employs over 50 people in his hometown of Blessington. Dean's story is one full of courage and passion, and this conversation features so many insights on leadership, burnout, work-life balance, starting a business, and much, much more. This podcast is brought to you as part of Bio 360 a GPA program that empowers inter-county players across four key areas. Life skills, wellbeing, dual career, and transitions. Please go to biotree 360gaelicplayerscom to learn more. Before we get started, I would kindly ask that if you liked any of our previous episodes, please leave a review on whatever podcast platform you prefer, as it will help the show reach new listeners. But for now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the player's voice with Dean Signy. Before we kind of get to business and where you're at in life now, I was going to just start by taking you back a couple of years in terms of your experience, your journey with the Wicklow team, when you start playing there and kind of what your memories were of playing intercounty football.
1: Yeah, well, first and foremost, thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted uh, to be on and excited to have the chat. I suppose, like, my starting point from an inter-county perspective would have been obviously a juvenile level with Wicklow. I think probably under 16 and minor was the main one uh, where I started to to really sort of get involved with the with the academy inter-county squad there. You Kenny was the manager at the time. We were a strong blessing side. I think we won our minor championship in 2007 and we got into the County final then on my good years of mine in 2008 as well. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get the job done. But um, yeah, I was uh, I was you know playing inter county since then um, with Wicklow, worked my way up then into the under 21 panel at the time. And my first, I suppose, um, time being on the the Wicklow senior panel was actually when uh, Mick O'Dwyer. Came mm-hmm. came on board as manager, um, Kevin O'Brien as one of his selectors, and there's a few other key guys involved in that panel. So yeah,
0: it was interesting times. What year was that, Dean? Then when you first got the call up, and what age were you? I
1: Think I'm right in saying it was 19 1920. Okay. I was on the under 21 panel at the time, um, and I was called up kind of as a panel player realistically at the time Mm -hmm. and getting involved with with the senior team Um, so yeah it was it was around 2000 I think um, or 2011 I think I'm right in saying 2010, 2011 I think I'm right in saying
0: and what was it what was it like then to go from kind of, you know, you're playing juvenile all the way up in your own age group with, with fellas your own age, and then to be in that senior squad, regardless of where you are in the pecking order of the panel or what it is, but to be in there with the most elite squad in the county and to get that kind of opportunity and experience, what was that like for you?
1: It's fantastic. It was a great feeling, something, a, a privilege, so to speak. I was delighted. I was looking around at lads that I'd been, you know, at some stage... In the past, watching, you know, as a juvenile player looking up at, at our own senior uh, panel in Blessington and watching them play and battle out, you know, hard championship games uh, against these guys to then getting the opportunity to be, you know, training with and, and playing playing some games and whatever games I appeared in at the time, um, it was great, really good experience, you know. felt Felt
0: really good at the time, you know. Did you... Did you feel out of your depth at all? Was it like it was a big step up? You know, it kind of happens a lot of time, and like young players, we listen to this where they kind of you come through those underage squads where you are one of the main players or a prominent player, and you find yourself kind of in that wider group where the step up realistically is is quite big, you know.
1: Yeah. No. Definitely. I think like at the time, um, you know. I felt I would have been quite confident in the sense where I felt like I had ability and I felt like the the I could definitely, you know, um make my way there. It just I suppose when you're coming in at a young age, there is a physicality aspect of it. I definitely, remember going up. We played a game against Arma, and I came on, and you could see, obviously, you know the the difference there between the more senior and mature players. I think then coming into any panel, then as well, you know yourself, it's always kind of you have to earn your stripes. There's a there's a team set there and there's people chomping at the, any inter county team, regardless of where they are on the, on the spectrum, th- there's always people chomping at the bit and battling for positions and stuff like that. So it was a challenge, no doubt. It was a, it was, uh, it was obviously a uh, stiff competition from all aspects and, you know, stepping into that world as well, as you say, from coming from being in, you know, club teams and, what not to get to get into there you're kind of looking around going right you know you're gonna really have to put effort in here, put the work in and and, and try and uh, push to to nail a position or get involved in that in that team you know
0: yeah, and you're obviously coming through, as you said like from from the development squads trying to climb those ranks and then Wicklow bring in like Mick O'Dwyer, who is like one of the best known managers ever and such a legendary kind of well known name. Um what was what was it like at that time to play under someone so kind of so renowned or someone who'd been so successful in the past? Like was that a was that a shot in the arm that Wicklow needed? What was the experience like, do you remember?
1: You know, for me it was great. It was it was and I think for everyone it was great, you know, uh, with Wicklow and its past and history and all, like it was in in many ways probably maybe lacking a bit of confidence with certain things or just needed that, like, I think what Miko brought definitely was that boost to obviously get people, you know, all areas of the county involved and pushing towards, it gave a bit of belief maybe, I think that, you know, because mm. I personally and still do think that, like, Wicklow has so many footballers that are as good as anything out there, you know, and, you know the where the ranking or where we sit, kind of in division and stuff, never really kind of reflects as good as what's there, if that makes sense. So he definitely brought that element of belief and excitement, I suppose, as well. You know, you're seeing all sorts of, you know, people, as I say, and players and outside the team as well, get involved in the whole county squad and stuff, and a, just good energy. So it was for me, it was it was a really good time, and and I was delighted to be involved in it. You know, he has a the man himself has a has a unique aura and obviously he had a good background team so everything was fun enjoyable and the you know the 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 team was was really good at the time as well as i said make no mistake there's players in that team that will get on to a lot of inter county teams in the country you know and so it was a great experience
0: overall very good um and then kind of as as the couple of years go by then Dean, like what's your progression there at Wicklow how long are you in there for and like when do you do, like, how does your journey end within the squad um well, i suppose like for me between wicklow
1: and for for um even club i kind of was i suppose reaching a point in my life where Um, I'd actually started a family quite young and, you know, that naturally carried a lot of responsibilities and, you know, even club level at this stage is a massive commitment and Intercounty is that kind of next level and I was kind of weighing up all my own life options and everything at the time and I made a conscious decision in around 2013, I think it was, that, you know, I wanted to put my energy and focus into other aspects of my life you know I I knew I was always going to be fully involved in sport well I say sports but in health and fitness and sports some in some sort of way Um, it was just a kind of a lifestyle thing for me that I liked but I also had other interests um, and you know I made that conscious decision as I said to put that energy and effort and time into into other areas of my life and I went kind of focusing on my career outside of football and mm-hmm. that kind of you know clashed and, and and made me make that decision to kind of step away from them heavy commitments for for what I thought at the time would have been a short period of time but actually turned out you know I, I was uh, I was away from playing I suppose competitive senior
0: football for several years you know Mm-hmm. yeah i mean it, it's a recurring theme and even some of the previous episodes we've had on this podcast i know i'm thinking of talking with uh, shana and chloe Mori, um who both played with claire who stepped away for different reasons and, and usually it's because someone has a commit a growing commitment in another area of their life that they want to give time to um and not people can't always find that you know in, that sweet balance or the word balance is something that we all will talk about a lot um but what were those other interests in terms of your career or you, you mentioned the kind of health and wellbeing. what were the interests around that time that kind of you wanted to scratch and then obviously I'm sure there was an increased financial demand of you if you said st- you st- said you started a family young and what needing to grow grow up and perform better in that regard too would that be fair to say
1: yeah no definitely it would be more than correct you know that was it's definitely one of the challenges I think with starting a family young you know the responsibility and everything that comes on there from all aspects you know time commitment financially the whole lot and I think as well I was quite an ambitious person and obviously was always interested in developing you know as a person and you know my career and I think when I actually, uh, funny enough, came out of school, I had completed a, a, an apprenticeship in carpentry and joinery with a friend of mine off the the, the than senior football team. He was kind enough to give me an apprenticeship. Um, and I done that for the duration of my apprenticeship and then carried on for a while. But I had so much, I suppose, passion and interest in health and fitness um even outside of my kind of sports or GAA career and you know uh, strength and conditioning and nutrition and all were big kind of interests of mine and that's kind of where I was looking to go towards um, I suppose around that time I was thinking you know I really want to do something that I that I love to do you know that I was passionate about um, so I, th- that that that's what kind of led me to pursue you know that side of things I originally would have started um, in the the fitness world I was um, I'd done a course in strength and conditioning and with Satanta College actually with support through the GPA and uh, that was really good really interesting for me because as I said it was something that I was passionate about um, and that I really would have focused on throughout my time uh, playing uh, Gaelic football Mm-hmm. And then that festered into my passion for food and um, the nutritional aspect. So I would have dived into that world. I would have done a lot of self-educating um, because I, at the time I'd started to, uh, I kind of by default went into the world of kind of uh, bodybuilding and fitness modeling and that side of things through my, my uh, interest in strength and conditioning. Um, a guy asked me one time in the gym, I was training away and I was doing my program, looking after me diet and all the rest of you, you know, throw your hat at this. So I did and, you know, it was a weird time. It was a new, I'd done it for probably two, two, three years. Um, I stepped into that world, but um, I learned so much, you know, from a nutritional aspect, from the diet uh, side of everything, you know. Um, it was really, really insightful. And um, it's what really kind of led me to uh, developing the NutriQuick brand uh, as a mm-hmm. business back in 2015, you know.
0: Yeah, and I, I'll definitely come to, obviously, we going to come to the NutriQuick um, side of your life shortly. I suppose just kind of as a reflect on what you talked us through there, like I kind of hear that, like most young people you're coming out of school and you're kind of right I need either I'm going to go go to go to college or I'm going to get a job so it's like okay I want to get a job who do we know who can I get a job with that kind of sense of and it's just get yourself working get a few pound keep yourself out of trouble and keep the parents off your back or keep whoever's looking after off your back um but then as you start getting a little bit older do I hear that like you're starting okay well actually here's what I actually I'm interested in here's what I like doing here's what I'm passionate about and how can I kind of How can I transition to that or start working in that area or figure something out that lets you work in something you care or are passionate about rather than maybe just doing a job? And obviously the job you talk about, there's nothing wrong with it. Lots of people love that and it is their passion. But are you going through that kind of transition and kind of figuring that out in real time at at that phase of your life?
1: Yeah, definitely, 100%. Like, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed a lot of the the work and things I learned in in obviously the building world and it, it, as a carpenter and joiner, but like um, I knew it just, it didn't, you know, I had so much interest and in, more passion in, in, in these other areas and obviously I was, I'd consider myself quite ambitious in the sense where you kind of, you know, that challenge as well was kind of what excited me and mm-hmm. you're dead right, like when I came out of school as well, I'm a big believer with anything, it's just, you know keeping momentum and doing stuff that keep you know you're happy doing you're learning all the time so that's that's how i suppose when i came out of school uh, the whole uh, apprenticeship came to fruition but no i I had another itch i kind of needed to scratch i knew after i kind of got qualified and stuff and you Mm -hmm. know it just it was it was something that was appealing to me you know
0: yeah. So then you you transition to or sorry, you, you mentioned Satanta College and you've you done that through with support from the GPA as well. So at what point does the quick kind of idea land in the head? How long does that limber around or li- like how long does that hang around before you action it? And kind of what's that early process of that idea phase of a, of a business journey like for you?
1: Yeah, so I suppose like uh, how it originally came to fruition, like I said, when I went into that world where I was, you know, developing my knowledge and skills in the strength and conditioning uh, side of things and I was stepping into that kind of bodybuilding world where I was learning Mm -hmm. how to train in a different way and manage my diet and stuff like that. That, for me, was, like, a real eye-opener. I was kind of seeing, you know, a lot of the stereotype in that world where it's, like, you know, everything's chicken and broccoli and plain and anything healthy doesn't taste nice and all. And I was kind of going, there's no way. Like, they can't, like, uh, I'd done a lot of self-educating, as I said, and you're going and you're looking at, like, some of the benefits, like you know seasoning and spices and stuff have that you flavor filled and stuff with and I had naturally a passion I love me filled like you know so I had naturally a passion for that and I had a bit of a background in filled in some ways because my father been a butcher for 30 years my grandfather had a famous butchers in Terenure for since the you know late 60s and you know I think that was all kind of the the synergies there, I suppose, and interest. And I kind of just seen the opportunity um to develop something. It's gas because even back in 2015, when I was starting to have these ideas and think like to where we are now, um health has obviously had such a trajectory in the last kind mm. of six, seven years where back then, like finding a healthy you know, convenient ready meal, or even healthy snacks and products at the time. They were few and far between. They were very, you know, rare, and th- there wasn't much available. So that was the where I seen the opportunity, and how it came to fruition. I suppose the 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 quick
0: brand and its and its products. You know, so you had like through your own training and your own lifestyle, you had a need for this product, or you the need for this an easy service that made eating healthily and with good flavor that was good for you um so then tell us a little bit about then that's the idea tell us about NutriQuick then kind of in terms of setting it up um those earlier phases of that journey how you start taking that idea in your head and going okay there's a need for this there's a gap there talk to us a little bit about how that becomes reality and what's driving you or why you're so passionate about doing it during that initial phase
1: yeah so i suppose um myself you know i knew like that there was an opportunity there for people like-minded people let's say like me who were you know probably the more dedicated at the time realistically who would probably prep their meals during the week to make sure they stayed on course and whatnot and i was I was also training a lot of clients at the time, teams and individuals, and mm-hmm. like I would find, in order, or while I was trying to uh, help these people achieve their goals, they were falling off ninety percent of the time due to the nutrition and the diet side of of you know the the work we were doing. And um, they didn't have the option. The option wasn't there. And again, as I said, i seen that's where the opportunity came to. So originally it had came around off the back of that, so to speak. I could see where it was going to help these people, where there was an opportunity there for it. And, you know, I seen, I, I had trialed stuff late 2015 with some close clients and, you know, then decided to to, to bring this to life, bring it to market and mm-hmm. set up in set up in in the start of 2016 officially. And at the time it was very much, uh, or starting off, it was very much a direct-to-consumer business. So we used social media, online platform, and um, had a lease, you know, uh, started to lease and rent a kitchen to develop these meals and products, Uh, and was doing like door-to-door deliveries and grew into having uh, some points of sale through my own network in some of the gyms that I had trained in some of the health stores who I had contacts in some some guys in g a clubs and stuff like that you know um but very much direct to consumer for the first for the first year you know,
0: yeah, when you say there that you you said i think you said you trial stuff like what what's that is that you in your kitchen is that you in your home <laughs> like is that you doing the food yourself and giving it to people like genuinely what's that kind of where is that journey starting at?
1: Exactly, like what you said. In the yeah. kitchen, literally, like, you know, breaking everything down. Like, crazy stuff. Like, honestly, if I go back, like, you know, some of the suppliers I was fortunate enough to keep on board, would you believe? And, like, they'd laugh till this day, you know, when we speak about it, um, to, to, to where it's come. It's crazy because I would be... Laugh at what, like just the journey I suppose that it's been on like you know we kind of came from picking up you know potatoes and vegetables from the from the 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 wholesaler to bringing them back to like my house you know prepping cooking packing stuff and trialing them with 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 clients and friends and whatever and then you know the branding side of it you know bringing the whole thing to life to now obviously you know where, where where we've got um, or how it kind of even the stepping stone to 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 where it got you know, um, but now like you're on the money. That's exactly we were. Yeah. It was in the house, you know, an idea and a a drive and passion to scratch that itch.
0: Yeah, that's even the other thing I was thinking. When you say like door to door again, is that you jumping in the car, dropping it to wherever it needs to go to? Is that just like a hands-on, self-motivated? I'm trying to get this thing going. I'm trying to figure out if this can actually work. Like, is it that simple? I was going to say simple, but also slash messy. At that time, is that what it is like? Yeah,
1: very much so. Very much like literally gotten out there, and you know, from start to finish, you know, having. Cooler bags and boxes and stuff and going mm. out and dropping them to doors and you know trying to get that get get some momentum and stuff in that regard. You know the way it worked like back then. So what we would what I would have done is I would have had like a, a slightly different model in the sense there we were kind of selling like meals but meal plans too. Mm-hmm. So for example, if I had been building up customers. I would be trying to build up customers that they would order like once a week and it'd be a delivery once a week. So they'd order, it'd all be prepared, prepped, made, and then it would be delivered. So you'd have a day, maybe two, where you're doing all the running around, dropping product. And then the other, the other, you know, a couple of days or the other days in the week, you're in the lab, yeah. putting it all together, cooking everything up and doing all sorts, you know.
0: So in terms of going from that, um, Dean, in terms of going from that kind of idea, passion, okay, I'm going to try and make this a business and going out on my own. And it's like, I know I can see the smile on your face as you're kind of bringing up some of them memories um, and laughing at it. But I, I mean, it obviously must have been very, there must have been significant challenges during that time too, was there?
1: Oh yeah, the the, the whole journey Jesus was a challenge. It wasn't easy. I jumped in probably very naive and vulnerable as well to when we started to level up in 2017 you know at the the first year it was exciting it was great you were going out there i was able to manage with from a financial standpoint as well uh thankfully because i was juggling what i was doing i was still training guys i was still doing Mm -hmm. uh weekend work i had a security job on the weekend i was doing um and then you know when we got into retail then made the decision to go into retail in 2017 um you know it, it just opened up a whole different world to compliance and had to invest, you know, I had to take uh, borrow money, take out a loan, um, you know, build a team. I just, you know, but I, I you know, sometimes I look back and think, geez, I was half mad. But like I was just so driven and obviously focused on mm. what I knew because it was getting traction. You know, I could see. You know, the reason for to move into the uh, into the retail space as well was because the whole model was, as I say, again direct to consumer, but very much aimed at the health and fitness niche at the time. But very quickly, mm-hmm. you know, when I was doing the day, is, as I said, running around in the van delivering, I look and going, Jesus, this guy ordered here off Facebook. He's in like Sir John Rogers Key. Uh, Whatever uh, office is there, the other guy was in the IFSC, and I'm going, I'm looking, and I'm chatting and getting, you know, to interact with the customers. And like, some of them weren't necessarily, you know, uh, your gym goer, you know, really kind of extreme health and fitness. They were just busy professionals looking for a healthy mm-hmm. alternative. So I, that's, again, another kind of turning point you say okay well like you know this needs to be accessible it needs to be on the shelf people need to be able to they, they, they shouldn't have to go online or to the website because even back then like online purchasing for food in particular was very premature people are very skeptical you know they want to yes. see it they want to touch it and feel it before they go with, with food in particular clothes maybe was different but food it was it was a hard sell back then Um but yeah no they, they, there was there was many challenges like mm-hmm. many challenges there from from all aspects time management financing and stuff like that but as i said it was it was uh, yeah all driven by i suppose a bit of passion and uh, opportunity that I could see you know quite clearly sure. and vividly at the time
0: yeah it's like it really is i know we're we're only we're still kind of in the the back the back history of kind of leading back up to today like but it's been such a journey of like it sounds like an idea snowballed but also then you had to have the courage and the foresight to see the opportunity to see the window and get after it and as you then transition say from certainly like, giving food directly to your clients to um then getting it into the likes of gyms or into at points where people could purchase to then going into retail like at what point did that journey do you realize um you need help here be it either financial support investment or personnel around you like at what point does it start going this can't be me anymore i need to wrap th- this needs to become rather than maybe the dean signing the, the entrepreneur this needs to become a business and i need to be a business owner does that make sense
1: yeah no 100 percent. and i can remember very clearly when, when i hit that point it was it was around um I think I'm right in saying it was like the end of 2017, kind of coming into 2018, where, you know, I was probably, you know, I wasn't far off burning out. I was working like three jobs outside of mm-hmm. doing it. And um, I'd gone down the road. I'd made the jump into the re- into the retail world. I was fortunate enough. I went through, uh, got some support with the local enterprise, and I went through the Food Academy program initially. Um and you know the dynamic of that was you go into selected stores uh you go through it you go through a program and you know you develop your product range which i was probably uh, quite advanced in many ways because a lot of people on the program maybe have an idea that they're trying to bring to life sure we had a product we had actually leased the facility we've gone from renting we've gone from renting a kitchen to building our own kitchen in a, a in the facility we're actually still in today uh, in Blessington, um, at a much smaller scale, obviously. But we had uh, I'd borrowed money, invested into fitting out this small facility at the time. Gone through the food academy program, put a lot of time, energy, uh, uh, and kind of effort into getting to this point, and then kind of going through the post academy process. It's it's good. It's a great uh, program, but it's slow. Pro- it's a slow process, you know. Uh, I think you think, oh, getting into the stores is like, you know, you get in there, you're great, it's in the door and the rest look after itself. It's really only the start of it, like, you know, you're going into like 10 stores and you're trying to grow them in, you know, organically and independently on your own. Um, and still doing the same thing, getting out in the van, going out, putting them in the stores, merchandising, sales are slow, you're 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 going into a store with, you know, thousands of products, you're down the back, so you have to do all the the, the marketing and stand-up, so... It was then when I suppose I realised, right, I'm in here and I'm the, I need help, I need support because, you know, there needs to be guys out on the street, obviously, building the brand, getting brand awareness, you know, ex- getting exposure out there, um, service and stores, there needs to be obviously a back end here uh, from an operations perspective and then, you know, everything else that kind of needs to go in the middle with finance and marketing etc and all, they were kind of... You know, other areas you're kind of saying right. You're not going to be getting away with wearing all the hats for too much longer here, or else the the water's going to come in overhead. You know.
0: Yeah, and like, did any part of you, did any part of you struggle to keep putting yourself out there like that? You know, because it takes, I suppose, two words that come to mind to me is it takes courage to do that, but it also takes a lot of energy to keep doing that. Like you have to bring your energy to your to your meetings, your pitches, your presentations, your programs. Um, like, did that ever? Did that ever like wear you down? Were to a point where you like it was like, where you were. You'd, where, I suppose where where you really doubted yourself along that journey.
1: One point at one point mm-hmm. in two thousand and eighteen, um, as I said, I was juggling jobs. I was after actually uh, starting. Uh, in the fire brigade here in Blessed as a part-time retained firefighter I was doing the training still with selected clients and 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 working on the weekend and energy was really really kind of wearing thin and I think I'd gone through I suppose the process and hadn't got the results I expected I suppose again probably being a bit naive and and unexperienced uh, especially in the retail side and I was very deflated because i what had happened was I'd kinda neglected the online side and over time the competitors started to pop up and stuff and then you're going, I'm about to put all my energy into this and it's such a slow burn. Um, and it was obviously causing problems and challenges financially and stuff because you'd do all the overheads and outlays and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and I was kinda thinking, God, I you know, I I I know what I need to do. I just didn't know whether I had the energy or the time. Because obviously, okay. you know, you're kind of thinking, "Geez, I'm going to burn out here." But um, you know, thankfully, thankfully, uh, that didn't happen. We kept resilient.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, I, I mean. It's important to kind of acknowledge that, Dean, you know, because I know when you talk to business owners or entrepreneurs and, you know, you meet your friend and oh, you're doing your own thing. That must be great. It must be great to be your own boss. Like You'll get that or you'll, you'll get like kind of sentiments like that. And normally people mean well by it, but I suppose I do, I do think it's important to acknowledge like the the challenges, the challenges of it, the extra pressures and responsibilities that come with it. Um, and when you're in that point then where kind of it's all swirling around and it sounds like... Kind of some overheads and expenses have gone up on one side, while also a revenue stream is tightening up on another side or shrinking um and then you're spreading yourself thinner to cover yourself to keep money coming in as you said you to the person of your life family um where how how do you recenter at that point what helps you kind of take stock recenter and, and move forward and then then I suppose where is the where was the path forward from there
1: yeah um I suppose, like, for me, uh, at the time, you know, you're kind of looking at it and, you know, as much of a cliche and typically here, you kind of look at it and think of why you started, what what you were trying to achieve, you know, all the challenges and barriers and everything that was in your way, naturally, you know, you're trying to problem solve and look for solutions and stuff there. Um, But I always believed, I, I, I think, I always believed that what, i had created in terms of brand and product and all would work and that it was, there was such a big opportunity there. It was just getting around them barriers and challenges. So it just kind of, like, I suppose, had to drill into... um Drill into what were the main ones at the time, and seeing how could we resolve them. And I think at that time, the biggest one was like there was a multitude. You know, I I I'd bore you if I went through everything, but there was all, everything from financial to to building the team to, you know, managing the area that I completely underestimated, which is the health and safety and the audits and everything that comes from from a food uh, safety perspective. Um, mm-hmm. But it was getting up and going and out there, getting established, getting volume. You know, really having you know um, consistent, steady business as well. You know that you you know you could actually, you know, I suppose invest behind or get support to 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 grow the brand and grow. Uh, with the direct to consumer business, it's great and it's very, uh, I suppose, instrumental even to our business to this day. But you know. It's like a, a customer buying a gym membership. You know, they get it for one month, they might stay for two, and the third month, you know, or it, I suppose the better way to put it, if 10 people got it and they stay for one, some might stay for one month, some might stay for two, some might stay for three, but certain amount of them will fall off. That's the challenge there, obviously maintaining retention and obviously constantly chasing new customers with direct-to-consumer. The retail world was just difficult because that's a small slow burner that you needed to get scale and volume but um i think at that stage i just recentered myself and said what we need here based on what we've done because at this stage we'd had you know invested uh quite a bit into the team the infrastructure that we had at the time Uh, we needed volume we needed sales uh, and that's why i went on the, the the hunt to get some to get some contracts some secure contracts or some stable good consistent business that mm-hmm. would obviously put the wind in our sail so to speak you know
0: yeah and that probably is the perfect segue into like i know last month the announcement was made with aldi that there was a nine million euro investment or a, a partnership and maybe you can tell us more about about that and i suppose it's on the back of just what we've talked about there the doubt, the hardship, the kind of the phases, the planning to actually get to a day like last month then where you get to um, I mean have have a a win ultimately right Um, and I'm sure in your own head it's a stepping stone and some of that's coming in to go out at the press for, and it's not like I'm sure no one's listening to this thinking you've got the nine million sitting in your back pocket there now as we're talking, you know what I mean? Just to make that clear, but um, just tell me about a that. A few people thing. I what think was, do. No, I know that's. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that it? Are you sitting on the chair there or the nine million? What are you doing? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But no, all joking aside, like, I mean, it still must have been a nice a nice win for you, for the company, and it's a kind of a, on the back of what we've just talked about.
1: Oh, it's fantastic. Look, it's an unbelievable feeling for me personally and for the team. Like, we've over 50 staff here now in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, it's for everybody. There's so many, you know, besides me that have put so much, you know, uh effort and energy into getting us to where we are today and um, we've got a great team and we've got obviously a really good brand and you know to secure everything there for the next three years with aldi in particular um it's it's just it's brilliant it's everything you want you know because you can bridge you can obviously you can be more productive where we can look now at investing which we are into our facility to improve you know, it's efficiency, look at sustainability, new product development, just all the real fun exciting stuff, you know, we've yeah. we've came through the wars and even post obviously getting to let's say um or getting over the the journey that I explained there to you but getting to where we are now like we went through then even after being fortunate enough to secure our uh original um I suppose contract with Aldi in two thousand and nineteen like we came into 2020, 2019 was a, was a a pure learning year. And then you come into 2020, and within the first quarter, you're after getting thrown into a pandemic. And it's like, mm. you know, 75, 70, 75% of sales gone in the space of three days. It was, uh, you know, scary, trouble, trouble, uh, our choppy waters, to say the least, you know. So, yeah, look, to get that now, it's fantastic. It's great. It's great for, for, Obviously, as I say
0: myself, and the future, the business, and everybody that's involved. Yeah, and you mentioned there obviously the the number of staff that you have, and like, like is 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 it is it a nicer feeling for you to be like an employer of that amount of people in your? I mean, you're, you're the places you're in your hometown, right? You're in your local area still. Am I right in saying that?
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah. We're in yeah. the blessed
0: industrial to stay here. Yeah. Does that? Does that mean something to you that you're still kind of at home and you're able to do that in the place where you're from? Yeah, definitely. It's it
1: it it, it definitely. I suppose um, makes it somewhat special. You know, it's 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 great. Like you know, to be able to support somewhat local employment and have you know everything that we do coming from my hometown and um, you know be involved like we are with the football teams and you know it just yeah it, it adds it adds uh, uh, something
0: different to it you know um, and how, like how local I suppose how local is the business then and then is there any kind of international elements to what you're currently doing
1: in terms of sales or in terms of the, the, the team and such
0: just the the business at the moment in terms of your day to day dealings like if it's from sourcing ingredients to staff to distribution is it local um, are is the business operating internationally at the moment? Is that a plan down the line? Just kind of what's that?
1: Yeah, I suppose. Um, we we try and keep everything as it's it's probably one of our USPs, so to speak, and what we would consider a strength. We've tried to keep everything, you know, locally sourced as much local employment as possible, or you know with local customers as well with with everything there. Um, we we pride ourselves off you know, uh, nearly 90 plus percent of all our ingredients are, are locally sourced. Um, as I said to you originally, you know, a lot of the suppliers that we would have worked, uh, that I would have worked with from day one are, you know, local, you know, fruit and veg suppliers, um, beef and poultry suppliers, you know, the whole, some of the local wholesalers and stuff like that. So there's, uh, it's still very much the, the, the foundation of, of our business mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, all of our uh, trading business at the moment also will be local uh, well will be in Ireland we have got yes. plans to export and um, we have got plans to export in the future um, but they are subject to the development that we're doing here in the facility um and obviously you know with the with with the circumstances everything that's going on i suppose in the world at the moment but no there is there is plans in the pipeline to export
0: super um and i suppose then with kind of the business as of where it is right now where it's going all the challenges and all the successes of the past how comfortable are you now with that kind of that leadership sitting on your shoulders of a whole a big, a big group of people going to thousands of customers, like considering it started from, as we said, going back all the way to the beginning, you know, yourself and trying to flesh something out and build something. How comfortable does the weight of that um, sit on your shoulders in terms of, of leadership and strategy and responsibility? Um, Jesus. I don't know to tell you the truth, it's, it's, do you know,
1: it's funny when it's like, you always kind of have this, uh, I suppose, vision in your head that it's going to get easier, that's going to get, the challenges never go away, they just change, in my opinion, they shift, you know, the challenges we briefly talked about in the past there, might not be here today, but there's new challenges and, uh, like anything, when it gets bigger, so does its challenges, you know, at the moment, you know, the, 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 the market and industry, the inflation and everything that we're facing, and all them things—they're—they're they're massive challenges. Massive challenges, you know, that we're trying to f- deal with on a daily basis here. Um, but look, it's—it's. It's, I, I don't want to sound pessimistic. It's—it's. It's, I like that's. You know, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't like what I do. It has its challenges, like everything does, and I—I I, I enjoy. It, you know, I—I I enjoy. Um. Obviously, working with the team here, working with the guys, doing my best at leading the the, the guys to, to where we're looking to take the business and the brand. And, yeah, there's, there's, there's always, I suppose, the same as what there was back then when we started. There's always the vision uh, and, the, I suppose, excitement around the opportunity and potential that keeps everyone fueled, you know, uh, and... I suppose driving towards that is 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 what we what we just stick to doing, you know.
0: Yeah, and as you sit here talking to us now, Dean, like what is that vision in your head? Like what's 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 that? Those words, that paragraph, that sentence in your head of what that vision is and what you're trying to achieve.
1: Yeah, look, I suppose in a sentence for us, like we want to to we'll always stay true to what we set out to be, which is to be. The leading brand for uh, convenient, healthy food, and that—that's—that's that's essentially what we're looking to do. You know, we specialise in ready meals. At the moment, we do look or envisage branching into other products in the future when we have our facility uh, where it needs to be to do that. Um, and th- th- there's a whole multitude of things as well that will kind of fit into that. But we're trying to build a lifestyle brand. You know, um, and uh, and as I said, one that will be the go-to for healthy, convenient food products. Um, so
0: that's uh, that's our that's our mission. You know, and as you push ahead, then that's your mission and your vision and your journey. And I suppose anyone listening to this, like I said, we've been doing this podcast series targeted mainly at intercounty players, past and present. And then I know already from feedback and people. Like you know, tweeting back in or Instagram DMs or emails that people are from wider walks of life are listening to this, which is brilliant. If anyone's sitting there now listening to us and listening to our dulcet tones in their ears, um, and they have an yeah, idea yeah. about setting up a business or something that they've wanted to do bef- before, or just that kind of sense of an idea knocking around their head and they're thinking about setting up their own business, what advice would you give to them? Um, the first, I suppose.
1: If I was to give anybody advice here that was looking to set up a business, what I would firstly say is that make sure they're passionate about whatever it is that they want to do because regardless what it is, I have no doubt any industry or any business that's going to be, you know... um brought to life out of nothing is going to be a challenge it's going to have its challenges and you need that passion to be able to I suppose go through them challenges and oversee them and the other advice that I would give is that don't be shy to look into you know doing your whole SWOT analysis and using whatever resources and people you have around you know I, I was always I'm not gonna say you know I was perfect at anything, but I was always quite good in the sense where you know I'd like use the 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 resources and people around around me to to really kind of get as much market research. So you know, really, what because sometimes you can have an idea, but you don't really know what you're going up against or what 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 it entails, or what the competition is like, or etc. Um, so. That that would be, I suppose, the, the the main advice I would give anybody that's looking to uh set up their own business or had an idea
0: that they're looking to bring to life. And then the other thing I was kind of curious about, as just as I've been listening to you over the course of our conversation, because we've kind of touched upon it a few times, of um just that I suppose the importance of managing yourself and your own well-being when you're trying to do multiple things. I go back to you know, when you were talking earlier about juggling jobs or if it was juggling football at work, all those kind of different things that pull out our energy. Um, have you got better at managing that kind of, I, look, I'm just going to call it the work-sport-life balance or you can call it life balance. Have you got better at that? And if you have, how so or what's helped you to do that? I'd like to think I've definitely got better at it. Um
1: there's still probably a lot of room for improvement because obviously when you're you're working or doing, running your own business, there's never, it's very hard to switch off, you know, but I would definitely like to think I have got better at it and I suppose one bit of validation was like I did go back playing club football last year and was able to manage my time quite well and I'm, I'm back again this year, thankfully, and all is going well. I think from, um, I suppose, prior to that, how I would have, I, I definitely went through a period where I was, you know, the hamster on a wheel, and I was probably, around that time, I told you, you know, struggling a bit, Um, I, I was probably, you know, uh, near a burnout, so to speak, but what I always found, and I've got a really good handle on it now, was obviously, managing the, the, the kind of, I suppose, personal well-being, health well-being, like, whatever it may be, obviously my preference was training, exercise, um, making sure I got that in, let's say, in my day so that I was able to, you know, just kind of clear my own mind, have myself refreshed and ready for whatever challenges I was going into. That was fundamental for me. The other area was your 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 diet. I think, like, you know, and I know it's going to sound biased because, you know, the the, the business... Uh, we're in. But um, like that, de- that de- that is, I think, important for anyone who's a high performer or looking to, obviously, you know, have you know that that sort of balance between their busy professional life and their personal life, you know. Them, them two things I think are fundamental. You know, between your, your your diet, your your exercise, and your sleep is probably another one trying to get one, which is the biggest one that I neglected heavily for for a couple of years, um, and very nearly paid the price. But um, no, I think that's the, the, now that I've got that I'm fortunate enough to be in a position that I have. More layers in the business, more resources, more people, it's delegated better into different division areas. That's one thing I always am um, uh, making sure I don't uh, hinder, I suppose. I never neglect it or fall mm-hmm. back on it. Now it's, I have a routine and more and I stick to that. And then obviously take on everything else that comes after that, you know?
0: Yeah. And with like the, I suppose with the business stuff as well, Dean, like do you have, do you have, mentors or people trust like that you trust around you that you can bounce off ideas that you can talk to um do you have like a a group like that that or even just an individual that kind of you can use to kind of help with the burden of leadership at times and help with decision making processes
1: oh yeah definitely um I suppose like one of uh, my business partners that I took in, that came on board, with NutriQuick in 2000 and late 2018, start 2019. Uh, good friend of mine, Tom Gannon, he would have been the co-founder of, um, he would have been the co-founder of Fulfil and co-founder now, Cali Cali as well. He'd be like uh, a really good business mentor and obviously business partner now thankfully, um, with NutriQuick. He would have been someone who I would definitely have bounced off a lot with ideas. Um, I was very fortunate as well that I have people uh, that work with us in the business, like uh, our accountant, Damien Malone. Um, I would have worked with mentors in the GPA also as well, even getting to this stage of, you know, establishing the NutriQuick brand, Um, Fran, was really really influential in in my own personal development and everything kind of prior to leading to to Nutriquick but you no know, i suppose there was there's a few key people there who I would consider influential in my own personal development and the success of Nutriquick who
0: would be uh definitely who I consider mentors you know now, i always think it's so important just to to touch upon you know people sometimes just like leaders if be, let's say it's a it's a football coach or if it's a it's a team leader in a business they get all the people underneath they're working with are always throwing their problems there and I also think it's important to highlight that um that relationship for for leaders for team leaders that they have someone that they can talk to that they can reflect on things with and kind of learn from and I know as you mentioned there in terms of the GPA the kind of the career coaching path that they would have the player development program for any players listening to this, Dean, I know I asked you about just someone in general earlier, um, thinking about setting up a business, what advice would you give them? In terms of talking to inter-county players, men and female at the moment who maybe are thinking about engaging with the GPA or haven't before, what would you say to them?
1: The one thing I'd say to them is don't hesitate. You know, I see a lot of people that I have heard and, you know, seeing a lot of people who kind of think about, oh, yeah, I might do that. I might say this. I might do that. Do they do that? Or would they look, would they uh, would they have any support for this? It, just reach out and ask the question. You know, from my experience, the GPA in particular have been extremely helpful with anything that I have been in communication with them about. Even till this day, I'm still in talks with, with, with uh, further developing my own you know um, education and skills and knowledge etc and and they're extremely helpful so yeah I suppose for me I think the one thing I would say is just if there's anything in your head that you're thinking of just just reach out you know to the guys and Mm -hmm. you know take it from there.
0: Now I appreciate that because obviously look look at uh, producing this podcast series in partnership with the GPA and I think like like you're someone who's played a couple of years at Wicklow and played a bit. I'm someone who played a couple of years with Cavan and played a bit, but not exactly household names or stars of the show. And there's sometimes a a, a notion there that, you know, the GPA is are to help the Limerick Curlers or the Dublin footballers. But it's not that there's a whole players, male and female all over Ireland, have access to these programs, these supports, these mentors that can help you most, like I suppose in sport, obviously, but mainly in life and in business. If you have a path that you want to go down, um, and I think kind of, as, as I look to wrap this up, Dean, I was just thinking back to that whole journey and how things come full circle. And then, so you've got the Aldi deal closing last year. And then I was also just thinking about being able to go back and play with your club. You know, we talked about at the very start of that that need and that desire to press ahead in business, to to scratch a niche in other areas. But how has it been like to kind of come back in to sport and to, and to your football from probably a different perspective? Um, and has it, been an enjoyable experience for you it's been incredible i won't lie
1: like to go back like last year and it wasn't planned i'll be honest with you because the year before last the guys reached out to me and they were looking for a sponsor and a last minute thing an opportunity came and obviously i took the opportunity and then you know we it came back around last year and um it was in the 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 challenging our you know unforeseen times with COVID and lockdowns and all the rest. And as a result, it didn't come. It didn't. Uh, it didn't actually. The year didn't start back officially. Let's say now. I know there was probably teams training behind the scenes weren't supposed to be and all that. But careful didn't start now. Back careful officially. now. <laughs> <laughs> get someone in trouble. So it didn't start back officially <laughs> on the pitch till like <laughs> the end of May, and I was kind of going. I could have. I could actually. I think I could have time to train and do whatever here. So I went. I said, "Let's do it." Like you know, I was always. I tell you what it was, Alan. It was always in my vision and goals to go back. I'd always said it. I just was waiting for the right time. So when I when I had that epiphany, and I think I could you know fit this in. I just said, "Go for it!" And like I went back, and you know I was so lucky that. I went back, and in the first year, like there's lads around the town now, and especially after listening to this, they'd be going, "He's some whatever." But um, I went back, and we won the championship after 38 years. You know, um, so that was just a you know unbelievable feeling, and now getting back into it, like last year, now I was only touching my foot in it. I didn't get you know really kind of into the starting team or whatever. Um, but this year now, obviously, you know, we're we're, we're looking to go back to back. We've got a really really good set up, strong panel and team. We've lost a few lads, but no, we have we we have uh, a really exciting year ahead, and I'm hoping to be more influential as a player this year. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. NutriQuick supports the team as a sponsor and all the rest. But when I go up there to train and be involved and all, I try and put that aside, and obviously, you know, get involved. Mm-hmm. What I love to do, play football. You know,
0: yeah. And has your has your work. Has your work and kind of life balance benefited from re-engaging in that sport? Like I know you're actually adding another thing, but in terms of the bent, the knock-on benefits of the of the camaraderie, of the exercise, of the connection, of the, those kind of softer things, more so than did I get playing wing forward, did I, or did I not? Did I score a point or did I not? You know that kind of the what the bigger picture stuff. Has your life benefited from re-engaging into that?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's benefited. I think like it's been something, as I said, I always kind of aspired to go back to doing. I missed it. You know, it was all very intense for a long time where work still is. But obviously, as I said, I've kind of been able to balance that much better now resurface a lot of relationships there's a lot of lads up there would have played with before still playing and obviously new ones as well like younger lads coming into the team so as you say like getting back into the mix of all that having the camaraderie and getting into the the the, the, the training and all the rest and all it's great it is you know I, I, lo- I love all that you know keep you keep you humble Keep you humble well, exactly,
0: yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, as as I wrap up here, Dean Listen, I just wanted to say to you, um, just thanks for sharing for sharing your journey both in sport work and or in all of sport work and life. I think it's such a it's such an interesting story and journey. It's a very inspiring one that I know listeners are going to connect to and relate to in different ways. Um but I think as I kind of wrap up the I just the word courage comes to me a lot as i as I just listened to your to the conversation and shared in your experience um and just passion, those two things. And if anyone out there has has the passion to go and do something, I think I just my brain at the minute is just tell me not to be afraid to do something to press on and have conviction in yourself and believe in yourself. So thank you for sharing everything you have today. Um and I know as, as I said, I know people who listen to this are gonna are gonna relate to it in a different way. So Dean Siney, thank you very much.
1: Cheers and thanks so much for having me and I hope I didn't bore you and your listeners too much with all the rambling but I appreciate your comments there at the end.
0: The Players' Voice podcast is brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. To listen to previous episodes with Tom Parsons, Chloe and Shane Amorey Kate Keeney, Louise Galvin, Conkle Patrick, and Neil McManus, make sure to subscribe by searching The Player's Voice on whichever podcast platform you prefer. And while there, you would really be helping us out if you rated or reviewed the show. Don't forget, you can find out more about the GPA's BIO360 program by visiting bio360.gaelicplayers.com. My name is Alan O'Mara, and to find out more about my work as a performance and well-being consultant... Please go to www.realtalks.e or find me on Twitter or Instagram at AOMTheCat. Thanks for listening.